detective. Thrill me. Welcome all to the Thrill Me podcast again. I'm your host, Adam. Co-host Jared is beside me again. Adam, how are you? I'm all right, mate. A little bit of a sombre episode, mm. some would say. Uh, obviously, the recent sad passing of Wes Craven. Yes. Um, we decided we would cover one of his films. Obviously, we covered uh, Nightmare on Elm Street previously. Yeah, that was the obvious choice. Yes. Uh, we wanted to keep Scream up the sleeve. Uh, obviously, we don't want to use up all the good stuff straight away. So we went with one that um, neither of us had seen called Deadly Fred from mm. 1986. Mm. So we're mm. going to cover Deadly Friend. Really good way to sort of celebrate the bike's life. And <laughs> um, We're going to cover Deadly Friend and then we're actually going to talk about Wes Craven, the filmmaker, and his legacy he's left behind. Before we get into all of that, what have you been watching? I know you're back at uni now. Yeah. I believe you've got quite a... Yeah, I actually... Um, quite a list. Yeah, the, the last week or so has just been no-go because I was flat out with uni, but um, prior to that, I went on a bit of a tear and watched a few, like quite a few in, in a short amount of time. All right, give it to so, me. What have we got here? First off, I watched Creep on Creep. Netflix. I'd heard it was all right. It you wasn't. heard wrong? Yeah, I heard wrong. <laughs> um, look... It's probably it's probably worth it a glance. There's a really good performance in it from the guy that plays the sort of the weirdo. Yeah. He's really good, but the movie itself, I wasn't wasn't so big on it. All right, okay. Although you you might find something in that it's a, a little bit of it's got a bit of a found footage vibe to it, and the idea behind keeping the camera there is actually pretty good. Okay. So yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't rush out to see it. I actually watched Wet Hot American Summer. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah. I can see. Like it was. It was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, I. I wouldn't put it in the classic. Nah. Realm. Rambo three and four. Rambo three and four. Yes. It's interesting you say that because I watched Rambo four. Right. Three's three's pretty ordinary. Yeah. Four I didn't actually mind, but Dad said he's turning people to mist. I know. I know. There's like the people- carnage is fucking. Incredible! Oh, it's unbelievable. People get shot and they get, just get turned into mints. I, I, I reckon it is the most violent movie I've seen it in the is. last 10 years. There was actually a couple of really confronting bits too, yeah. like when the village gets attacked and you see a picture of a kid just flying through the air. Yeah. Just, like, it was actually pretty confronting. But when it was just Rambo versus bad guys, it was just like every time someone got shot, it was just, oh, jeez, <laughs> there's nothing left. <laughs> but I will say this. This is my thoughts on four. So this is the line won't be drafting any peace accords with Burma anytime soon, considering he makes them so outrageously bad. Mm. The people in this movie, I mean, God, you know, I know that there's some atrocities and stuff out there, but, jeez, he's really trying to ram it home as to how bad it is out there, and it's almost yeah. over the top. It's mm. too much. But, you know what, the guy knows his way around an action scene, and, and some of this, the action stuff is really, really well done. Yeah, in terms of an action movie... Uh, pretty much, pretty much ticked the boxes yeah, for yeah. me. I thought it was a decent way to sort of round the franchise out. I'd, I'd rather well, not see him again. Well, oh, fuck, how old is he? Fucking <laughs> <Back at> seventy. <laughs> Jesus, Rambo pull a heavy minute one and be shot. Yeah, That'll I'm looking forward it. to the next movie. Rambo's done sort of. Um, he's gone full circle and he starts talking again. That'd be interesting, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I watched the man with the iron fist. Oh yeah. Uh, Russell Crowe hammering it yeah, up. Yeah, Russell Crowe. <laughs> um, Russell Crowe and the Rizza. <laughs> One of your favourites. Well, what is the Rizza? <laughs> um, look, it's not. It's not good. The acting's pretty poor. Other than other than Russell, Russell's pretty good. <laughs> the acting's pretty poor. But uh, I actually found something something in there. The martial arts scenes are pretty cool, and I kind of like that. I kind of like that. Um, that throwback to the martial arts movies, and they, yeah. they even though it's really simple, they throw some really kind of interesting things out there. Like Dave Batista plays a guy who can sort of turn himself to metal and things like that. Like just these interesting little touches. Like you know his style of his style of kung fu, or whatever it was, had the power to sort of turn himself to metal. And then obviously the Rizzo gets his arms <laughs> cut off and he's <laughs> got iron fists and things like this. Jesus Look, Christ, I can't take it not... seriously. Which obviously it's a fucking Rizzo. <laughs> Didn't the Rizzo write and direct this? Yeah, yeah, he wrote direct. Fucking pizza. Start. <laughs> He's, look, he's not an actor. I'll tell you that much. But, um, yeah, I didn't mind it. It was okay. okay it was okay. okay. So it's not a steaming piece of shit. No, Because no, I believe there's a sequel. If that, there is a sequel, second. yes. Also a RZA joint. Yeah, RZA. <laughs> he didn't direct that one, though. Oh, did he? Um, but, yeah, look, if, if you don't mind a little... If you're looking for a little bit of martial arts and a little bit of that sort of, you know, on the wires sort of work, yeah. it's pretty cool. It's okay. got it's got that going for it. Um and it's got quite a few names in there. So. Okay. Yeah. Right. I watched Rubber. Is that a condom movie? Yeah. <laughs> Talk about high brow. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, sorry, that, that one would have been called Digger. Yeah. <laughs> You're just digging a hole, aren't you? I am. <laughs> Rubber. Oh, is that about a, a tire? It's about the tire. movie? Yeah, it's about the tire that's killing people. Oh, fuck. Um, <laughs> Look, it wasn't. You lost me already. Yeah, uh, it's it's. I'd heard it was all right. Yeah. Um, but it was one of these ones. I believe that was, this is on Netflix. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, it's on Netflix. It was one of these ones that was trying to. It was making a commentary on the film industry and and this sort of stuff. But quite honestly, I'm too fucking stupid to catch all that sort of stuff. So I watched it just going. Ugh, I mean, I'm stupid, but I also probably don't give a fuck. Either, <laughs> no, so. it didn't. It wasn't really. It, it wasn't really my sort of thing. No. Okay. I watched Tusk. Oh, shit, I hear that's bloody. Uh, that's, I hear that's just awful. Is it? Yeah. Is Kevin Smith sort of off his medication? Or oh, I don't know. Or? Look, I think he's. People seem to be trying to make it something really deep, but it it came about from him and one of his mates on a podcast just dribbling shit. And but is that the, is that does that deserve a movie? No, just, I mean, fuck. We're going to start making movies. Put it out, he, start this is the thing. He put it out to the internet, and the people that listened to the podcast said, "Yeah, do it." So he did it. And he quite, shouldn't have. Yeah, he shouldn't have. Quite frankly, uh, Michael Park is fantastic. He's a really, he's a really good actor. Justin Long is pretty good as well. But it's just, I just didn't. I just don't understand why 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 he was making it. Just it was just a bit off kilter. Seems like he's just had money to throw around and just... Yeah. Uh, well, he didn't. He didn't have a lot of money to make it. But well, anyway. at least he didn't fucking waste $20 million making it. Well, whatever he, whatever he uh, paid, he, he wasted. No. So he wasted something. Um, <laughs> Big Trouble in Little China. A oh, classic. Yeah, went back to it. <laughs> Kurt Russell. I love, the, I love the guy who can expand. Yeah. <laughs> But Kurt Russell is just brilliant. Just, you know, dribbling crap the whole movie. I love when you you open it up and he's there just talking to no one into the 
into the CB <laughs> and stuff. And he's the whole movie is just this sort of, um, you know, obnoxious sort of full of <laughs> full of bluster and and um, it's just funny as. Yeah, I got to watch that again. That's a good film. And I watched the last one I watched was a doco on Netflix called Kung Fu Elliot. Oh yes. I look. I watched this because it sounded funny. Because it's about a guy in Canada who's who's saying he wants to be Canada's first sort of action star and comparing himself to like the Van Dams and the Arnies and uh, it, it just it actually turns really weird and kind of sad in a lot of ways. It turns out the guy's he's just a liar for starters, and he's um, he's off his tree. He's he's just making up claims and doing all this strange stuff, and the movies he's making are just completely amateur. That's that seemed to be the charm of it. That this guy was totally obnoxious to how obnoxious, sorry, oblivious to how terrible this stuff was, and that he was never actually going to be an action star. But it just gets really sad and weird in that he's actually he's, he's actually got screw loose. I, like I, I actually finished watching it, and I'm still not 100 percent sure that it wasn't just like. They weren't just trolling people. That it's that it's actually all fake. It's a G app. Yeah, I'm not. I'm still not entirely sure. But it's so it's so out there that because I that saw that on the list on. and thought, yeah, I'd like to have a look at that. Yeah, you know. Are you saying to avoid it? I'm not saying to avoid it, but I'm just saying go in knowing that it's not. I thought it was going to be a laugh fest. But it was going to be yeah. laugh a minute. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was get a far laugh. from that. It wasn't. Well, look, there was a couple of things he said that made me laugh. Okay. But then, as I said, it starts starts getting a bit weird and sad. I don't know, Jared. Is it is it time that they stop fucking making documentaries and shit about these fucking delusional characters who seem to be able to get themselves into these fucking things? Well, this is the thing. Um, I think there's an interest in that. Like there is. You watch something like Anvil, and that was brilliant. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, but they were actually headlining. Yeah, you know, yeah, I know, I know. But had a little bit of credit. Yeah, exactly. I know that, but they still hit a point where it was it was never going to happen. Yeah, and there was this story in there. You know, yeah. This one, I don't know whether these guys knew at the start. Like I said, I'm still not 100 percent convinced that it was all real. But if these guys, these guys may have thought at the start that that's kind of what they were getting, just some bloke who wouldn't give up despite, you know. Uh, despite not producing anything worthy of being picked up by a, a studio or in a movie or but something But would like it be fair to but say then, that then there was no real payoff or anything to it anyway? It just kind of... Well, you can, he never, he but never this got, is the thing. How do they know that? They're making a documentary. Yeah, that's right. They don't know what necessarily is going to happen a yeah. lot of the time. They've got an idea of what might happen, but it could go a completely different direction if yeah. you're just following someone and around. this went off in a very weird direction. Yeah, so I'm thinking maybe at the start they thought they had this sort of uplifting kind of story about a bloke who wouldn't give up or or maybe something in the mould of American movie or something yeah. like that, you know. But then it didn't but go. But then, it, yeah, it was just... Was I don't know, stick. Oh, there was one. Yeah, there was one part where that sort of got thrown out there. <laughs> Shit! Look, it was as I said, it was bloody weird. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll probably steer clear with that one. Oh, oh no, 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 I'll, I'll check it out. <laughs> I'll have a look. Is that everything? That's it. Okay, I went down the doco route myself. Uh, Cocaine Cowboys Two, mm. really good. Really good. First one was excellent. Yeah, the first one was excellent. This one's not quite as good. This one's about the what's her name, the Black Widow. Yeah, yeah um, uh, the uh, the Godmother. The Godmother. Yeah. yeah. She starts having a relationship with a um, young sort of 
um, guy hustling on the street, um, selling cocaine, and then it just sort of showcases just how dangerous this woman was, mm. you know. And it was good. It was good. It wasn't up to par with the first one. There's something about the first one I really liked because it was sort of covering the whole of Miami, you know, and the cocaine boom in the eighties. Uh, but the second one's definitely worth a look. Lost Soul, Jared. The 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 doco about um, Island of Doctor Moreau, the ninety six. Oh movie. yeah, yeah. It's on Netflix. Fucking awesome. Yeah, I better yeah. check it out. Yeah, it's really. I'm really, really interested to hear about wine coolers being worn on heads and uh, things it like was that. Just. Wait till you get to the stuff about the smallest man in the world. Oh, who little two friends. Yeah. Yeah. He says um, they basically cut this guy out of this movie. Yeah. Because Brando said, I want the the smallest man in the world to get a run. Yeah. And he basically became mini-me. Yeah. And then the guy says, the guy who they cut out, he reckons, oh, I'm in the elevator with the smallest man in the world. And I say, how you going? And he fucking turns around and punches me in the dick. <laughs> 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 right again so you're watching the real highbrow things <laughs> Mate, this was awesome and plus it just showcased that um you put a guy with a vision this this guy had a vision yeah the richard stanley he got what was probably going to be a really good cast uh, initially it was supposed to be brando bruce willis and james woods and then willis got divorced so he dropped out then they decided they wanted Val Kilmer instead of James Woods, so they pushed mm. Woods out of the movie entirely. Yeah. And it just went to Kilmer's shit. A, Kilmer's a nightmare. Kilmer's a fucking nightmare. Brando, Brando went off it. on his fucking tangents. Oh, it was, it's really worth watching. Yeah. Really I definitely have to, I didn't realise it was on there. Yeah, it's jump really, on it. really good. Um, I also watched one called We We Could Be King. Yep. Um, the Gridiron Team. Yeah, yeah. I liked it. Jared, I'm sceptical. I actually think it might have been a doco drama. I think it's dramatised. I don't truly believe what I was seeing. Right. Per se. I don't know if you've seen a doco called American Teen. No, I haven't. Yeah, it's, it is a documentary drama where the, the footage is actually staged. It has been, you know. Yeah. Directed and they've been told what to do and everything like that. My big one's Catfish. I think that was fake. Yeah, well, <laughs> this one, I don't know if I'd say it was fake, but I think that there's a lot of liberties taken yep. as to how to get it on the screen. Obviously, I watched Rambo. Uh, I also watched a Killer Grizzly film. <laughs> <laughs> What? You're laughing at me and then you <laughs> dole it out Killer Grizzly. It was called film. Into the Grizzly fucking something or other. <laughs> hey, mate, it had a high profile cast. Had Billy Bob Thorne in it. And Bart the Bear. <sighs> it was shit. This <laughs> thing, Billy, the, the uh, thing Billy Bob Thornton is most known for lately is getting the shits in radio interviews when he gets asked about his movie. Yeah, it's true. Because he's, you know, he's a music. He's a music man. Is he? <laughs> no. If anyone's heard his music. Um, no, it, look, it wasn't that bad. It was nothing special, but it was okay. Uh, I believe it was directed by a guy who directed Saw 5, so I didn't have high hopes. And Which, who was that again? Oh, fuck, I don't know. Because they're the blokes uh, that are involved in Hawaii. No, no, not, they, they wrote Saw 5, but some ex-editor or something directed it. 
And the last one I watched, I watched the first episode of Daredevil. Ah, yeah. What'd you think? Yeah, I liked it. I mean, obviously it needs to unravel some of the, you know, you've got a lot of sort of gangs and stuff in that first yeah. um, episode. You've, you're sort of finding your feet on who's who in the uh, villain side of things. But I liked it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty good stuff. Excellent. So I'll probably look to start watching the rest of the series. And that was pretty much me. Right. Covered. All right. Take a quick break, and then we'll get into 1986's Deadly Friend. Some dates excite you. Hi. Some dates thrill you. But a date with Samantha will kill you. From Wes Craven, the director of Nightmare on Elm Street, comes Deadly Friend. Starts Friday at a theater near you. Consult local listings. Deadly Friend, directed by Wes Craven, produced by Robert M. Sherman, who produced Oh God, You Devil and Convoy. Some late 70s stuff, I believe. Screenplay by Bruce Joel Rubin, who we won an Oscar, I believe, for Ghost and also wrote Deep Impact and The Time Traveller's Wife. And it's based on a novel, Friend, by Diana Henstel. It stars Matthew... I'm not going to be able to... (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to be able to pronounce his surname. Again, our well-researched... Work here. He was from Little House on the Prairie and Milan. He's Paul, he plays Paul Conway. Christy Swanson, who was the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mm. and she was in Higher Learning and Flowers in the Attic. She plays Samantha. And Anne Ramsey from Throw Mama from the Train and The Goodies plays Elvira Parker. Now, the budget mm. for this movie was $11 million, and it made $9 million at the box office. Ooh. Now, a simple synopsis for this movie... Paul is a young sort of genius who uh, has created his own robot. When that robot is destroyed, he befriends the woman, the girl next door. Uh, The robot is destroyed and she is killed, I guess you would say. And in in his, uh, you know, in his emotional state, he replaces the chip from the robot into her brain. Of course, she becomes alive again. But she brings out some... You know, killer sort of tendencies. <laughs> General thoughts, Jared. Oh, it's no good. <laughs> it, it's uh, look, it's probably about a two out of five. It had some all right moments in there, but it was just really, just really confused. And I think, as we'll probably go into, there was some there was some factors in that coming from like the studio. Yeah telling Wes Craven to do certain things and it's got a few minor high points I think I think the the two leads were, were pretty good Christy mm. Swanson and uh, the other fella that you didn't want to try and pronounce well, do you want to have a go? no I was not going to have a go I was just going to you know I was just going to you know throw the spotlight on you there and just to just to cover the knowledge. fact that I couldn't say it myself yeah. um, I thought they were pretty good I thought there was a couple of really good scenes but overall it was just a bit of a it was a little bit of a mess yeah I would agree. I think it's a two out of five. It's 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 kind of difficult to sort of bash Craven 
because yeah. we are doing this episode because we do feel that he had a, a quite a lasting legacy in in filmmaking in general. Um, and but we can only go by what we saw. And unfortunately, mm. the movie is a bit of a mess. It's a bit of a jumble. There's a lot of ideas there, and I think that they don't always mesh together very well. No. And there are some high points. It's not. It's not a total loss, but it just doesn't make enough sense. And and is it kind of grinds along. It's ninety minutes, and it feels like <laughs> feels like two hours. You know, it really hits hits a bit of a, a sluggish point in the middle, and never really gets out of it. Yeah, which is which is disappointing. It was a bit disappointing. Okay, what did we actually like, Jared? Um, what did we like? Look, I actually think the idea of the sort of Frankenstein-esque um, idea of implanting the chip into her brain after she's died and resurrecting her, and then she comes back and she's not what she used to be. Yeah, I think that idea was... That's actually a good idea. It was pretty strong. I, yeah. I think I actually said to you during the movie, I, I'd probably like to see it done now. Yes. Um, because some of, the, some of it would be a bit more feasible, like the idea of how the robot looked in the movie and, and that sort of thing were just ridiculous. It was pretty much Johnny Five. <laughs> it was. I think um, it was Johnny Five mixed with that fucking stupid computer out of perfect match. Oh, you know, God. Bloody, <laughs> uh, compatibility score of this movie sucks. You know, like... Yeah, um, I think I think it would probably work quite well if it was done now, like if someone tried to have a crack at a story like that. Well, you could take the technology in a different angle. Yeah, like, exactly. And not have the robot. Yeah, yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, like you said, the idea was the idea was there. I liked that idea and in sort of classic Wes Craven style, there was something there to be said. It was sort of talking about, you know, the grief after this guy had sort of connected with this girl and, mm. and um, you know, they, they had something there and then she gets killed and his grief sort of takes over and, and he guess, forces him to do something silly yeah and I guess that story was there but it just it just got a bit mashed yeah and look I mean that's that's one thing that I think Wes Craven always did is they weren't just cookie cutter horror, horror flicks no there was always something bubbling beneath the surface and there was always some kind of um, subtext yeah maybe and we'll, we'll get into that a bit deeper when yeah. we start talking about him but yeah it was sort of classic Wes Craven in that in that sense I agree with you. I think the two leads are okay. Yeah, Christy Swanson. It was her first movie. Wasn't yes, it? correct. And she, I think she was pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Um, other than a couple of sort of moments where it's really, it's really stilted. She's obviously been told you got to act like a robot and you got to, you know, you got to have your hands like the robot had his hands. Yeah. See, like they should have dropped that on. Yeah. It looks a bit silly. Yeah. But for the most part, I think she's pretty good, and there is there are a couple of bits where she's quite creepy. Yeah, and there's also, I think that the connection between her and Paul, Samantha and Paul, actually kind of works. I think yeah. that's one of the the parts of it that works okay. Yeah, exactly. And as I, as I said, we're going to get into a little bit more of some of the problems that the movie had behind the scenes, but that kind of survived. Yeah, which is good. I think that that. We were kind of lucky that that survived, because you take that out. If that didn't work, we would, we would really would have struggled through it. Yeah, exactly. I felt that that first forty minutes, it was probably strong. Um, no, sorry. After the robot was <laughs> yeah, shot, I was going to say take out the first ten, which was, which was one of a highlight for me. Yeah, when absolutely. the robot was shot, 
I think there's a section there that's about 20 minutes, 25 minutes maybe, mm. is really good. That's section is quite strong. Section between when the robot gets killed and then when Christy Swanson gets killed. Yeah. I think that actually... Even worked. after she gets killed, there's... There's, it still sort of continues on, but that is, you're probably right. That's that was some some of the stronger work. Craven has an interesting style, and it kind of works well here on occasion. It does remind me a little bit of Elm Street a couple of times. There was a couple of points where it really reminded me of Elm Street. Yeah, yeah. There, just those little, there's just little hints of the Elm Street style there. Yeah, and those scenes are effective. Yep. Some gore. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit of gore. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's not unwelcome in these sorts of movies. The basketball death. Just fucking pretty outrageous. Yeah. Held but, an arm on it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it was, yeah, you're right. It kind of, um, I'll tell you the one that took me by surprise where she has the nightmare and her dad's sort of hovering over her and she breaks the, the vase and shoves it in his chest. And just blood just starts gushing out all over yeah. the place. I actually thought that scene was pretty ridiculous, but yeah, that was. It kind of took when me that happened, it was just like, geez, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. Some of that stuff, again, these are kind of nightmare scenes. Yeah. That. It's probably segueing into the dislikes. Yeah. They don't fit. Like, nah. there seemed to be no necessity for them. No. This is, this is the kind of thing that makes me think. Committee sort of filmmaking, you know, people going, oh no, 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 we need to, we need to throw this in and we need to throw that in and, mm. you know, we need to jazz it up, because that sequence has no right being in the movie. It doesn't fit. No, it didn't, at all. It definitely just seemed like, uh, I mean, we know that that there was meddling with this one, yeah, and that the studio told him to put some more gore in, and it seemed like that might have been one of them. Yes. It just, all it was there for was to end up with that, that vase bit. Yeah. Basically. And kind of creepy shit. Yeah. She can't, you know, she's in her bedroom, in comes her father, hovering over doing it. A, it was, doing yeah, a bad Freddy Krueger. Yeah, it was kind of, it was a bit icky and it was just, it just didn't belong. No. Um, the film is extremely dated. Extremely dated. Extremely dated. dated. <laughs> I know it was 86 and... Well, put it this way. We watched Predator and the way that the Predator sees with the heat vision yeah. still sort of holds up. Yeah. The way that the robot sees people in this doesn't. doesn't <laughs> hold up whatsoever. It's basically it's just the like same a... the time, time period. Like right? a, um, out of focus. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, just... The film's out of focus. That's yeah. it. That's about all we've got. Yep. Out <laughs> looks of focus. kind of pixelated. Pixelated. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that, that doesn't work. But, but the whole... Um, the robot... And all that stuff, it's so stupid. Oh, like, it's just so stupid. The robot spends the whole time going, <laughs> and yeah. farting and burping and carrying on. And going, there's a lot of blah, 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 blah. <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> you just, the worst part is, though, like, it's in scenes. Other characters will be talking, and the robot just kind of needs to be in the background. But they're talking, and all you can hear is... <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, like, they'll talk, and then there'll be meant to be a, a pause, 
And then all you'll hear is... <laughs> and it'll be like, fuck. Somebody put that robot out of its misery. And, of course, Which thankfully someone does. That was a like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, the robot is, is, is ridiculous. But I understand, obviously, it needed to be there. It was a plot point that was quite very much required. Mm. But it, it just was so... Uh, they, they should have taken away all the sound effects. Yeah. That probably would have been... Minute one, you take away all the sound effects and you fix things dramatically. Mm. You don't fix them entirely, but you fix them far more. Yep. Um, the, you know the, um, the biker kids? <laughs> I reckon that's only in there for that kill. Pretty much. I think, because they're only in one scene at the start. Yeah. And then one scene at the end. At the end. It was like it could have worked. I didn't mind the sort of callback, how it just sort of came out of nowhere and you were like, oh, shit, that guy again. Yeah. But you're right, it was pretty it was pretty ordinary. What else have we got here? <sighs> the science behind the actual... <laughs> <laughs> the idea of implanting the ship. Yeah, you, were, you weren't real happy with that, but as I said to you... Uh, it's over my head, mate. I'm not, I'm not know, questioning the I, science. I, I know I'm not he, look, a scientist. All I, all I needed to see was that he cut a head open and he put a little chip in there. That works for me. <laughs> I mean, the brain is a... <laughs> Jared, the brain is an interesting, interesting device. And I don't think you just take things and just jam them in there. <laughs> I mean, I know you've got to suspend disbelief here, but... <laughs> One minute ago, you were saying you enjoyed the Frankenstein aspect. I did, but I just felt the science was a little bit lacking in the Frankenstein aspect. At least Frankenstein oh, no, look, got struck by some fucking lightning and it I know, well, reanimated him. I know. <laughs> this had none of that. I know you sort of looked at when the when There the wasn't kid... even a power source attached <laughs> to the fucking thing. No, but they said there was a power source when they were putting it in the head. Oh, Bullshit. He said, remember, it's talking know, about like, a pacemaker. I know, but look, look I did some research. He said pacemaker. That's sound for me. There's a battery in a pacemaker, isn't there? Um, but yeah, I know when when he was lecturing and I saw the, the chalkboard, there was a lot of words like flow with a box around it and, a, and an arrow somewhere, and X and Y with a box and an arrow. Obviously important. I looked at that and I said, hey, look, that, that looks, you know, that looks sound. The science looks sound. That I looks know, rock solid. I know you were sitting there thinking, listen, this stuff hasn't been peer-reviewed. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. This bloke hasn't even handed his notes to his mum and said, can you proofread that for me? Let me tell you something. If you're rocking up to uni class and here's some 15-year-old fucking <laughs> snot-nosed little twat with a few boxes on the board, I'm questioning his scientific integrity until I see some guaranteed results. Well, shit, mate. I'm at uni and I can tell you I'd just sit down and start copying it in my notebook. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, of course. No, I'm not questioning. I'm saying, right. Uh, Quick, I've got to get this down before. Don't run the board off. I've got to get this down before he rubs it out. Uh, anyone uh, anyone that's not an idiot is just quickly pulling out the phone and going, take, take your picture. <laughs> you're, you're drafting. You've got your fucking ruler out. <laughs> the science. Oh, shit, I broke the lead. <laughs> the science is just, it's difficult to swallow. Look, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on record and say I had zero problems with that because <laughs> we're talking about a movie where, for starters, he's got a stupid fucking robot. <laughs> he's a genius, but he can't stop it going. Blah, 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 blah. And then he implants the chip into a dead girl's head. I, I, hey, I'm not questioning. Yeah. I'm not questioning the size. All there. right, look. 
Let's leave it there because <laughs> you obviously have no problem with said science. I've got no problem with the science. All right, X okay. and Y in a box works for me. <laughs> the you, point you, is the you, you raised you raised you raised a very important fucking point. <laughs> The the, the 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 old woman who lived lives next door, with oh, who's yes. basically the recluse. Yeah, uh, and, and if you watched got, any movie in the eighties, it's you know the woman. It's the one that looked like she jammed a, a handful of warheads in her mouth <laughs> every, every time she was on screen. And every line was, "What are you fucking kids doing?" <laughs> Without the fucking yeah, <laughs> that's right. She she's she's her place is locked up tight, secure. Yep. yep. She's even got a chain with a padlock. Hmm. And why is the padlock facing the outwards? <laughs> I don't know. Could that's, it have not been the opposite way That's around? what I said to you. I thought when you locked up your house, you did it from the inside. Yeah. You locked up your gate. Because then, the obviously... She, um, she obviously padlocks the gate and then pole vaults over the fence to get uh, inside. <laughs> because it happens twice. Yeah, true, true. And every time... And like, fucking C-3PO's cut-rate cousin manages to open the fucking thing. Yeah, right? yeah. And I yeah, that I looked at it and I said, Do you what? Why is the fucking lock on the outside? <laughs> <laughs> Questions unanswered. She's similar to the science. Jared. I would have seen that and gone, Oh, well she's not home because she just locked a gate from the outside. Yeah. So how <laughs> she climb the fence? Oh, I, don't know. I don't know whether this is a, a like or a dislike. It was it was funny. <laughs> There's a sequence where he Paul has to Sedate his mother so he can take the car and get the corpse. Mm. Is that right? He Once could have again. just asked her, can I borrow your car to go yeah. to the movies? Yeah. But he chooses nah, to sedate her? Choose. And when I say sedate her, he, he honestly puts enough fucking sedatives <laughs> to put down an elephant. <laughs> it's like it's in a fucking sack. He, yeah. just, he gets out this fucking sack of sedatives. <laughs> it's like a pillowcase. Yeah. And he goes... No one's looking. She just <laughs> pours it into her coffee. Uh, and then and his then... mate, remember what his mate, after he's had two goes at it <laughs> and he's dumped this whole lo- lot of it in, his mate goes, I think you put too much. <laughs> <laughs> no shit. You think? <laughs> it's fucking sedative with a small p- pinch of coffee in it. <laughs> <laughs> and then what I love though is she takes it, she, she drinks it, and I'm thinking, boom, straight out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nah, nah. Still watching TV, still yeah. hours later. Sitting up on the couch, <laughs> just watching TV, and they say, oh, you look a bit tired. <laughs> you reckon? Jesus. I've ingested enough sedative to put down a friggin' rhino. <laughs> and the next morning, oh, fuck, we've killed her. I was say, yeah, you have, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Another thing that I felt hurt the film was they took once the robot was dead they took away all that boop 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 beep, <laughs> bullshit yeah right? and obviously Christy Swanson was human with the brain of the the robot yeah science pending yeah <laughs> as I said it's being peer reviewed but with about speak. ten about ten minutes to go she starts. Dropping a bit of beep, 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 Yeah, beep. she starts talking like the robot. And I think, it, I, th- I, I think the idea was that the chip and th- there were two different, you know, the robot was part of her as well as her. So Yeah, well, she was starting to the come. the robot was starting to come out. The way I looked at it, the robot was there the whole time, but yeah. towards the end it was her starting to 
mesh with the robot a little bit. And bringing that bringing that jibber back was a mistake. It was. There was one or two points where it was actually scary, where she kind of just opened her mouth like she was screaming, and it just sort of made yeah. a robot noise. Yeah. But then when she started going BB and yeah. all that sort of stuff, that was that was terrible. And really bad. Of course, bad. that all segues into the ridiculous ending. Terrible. That we get. Terrible. Spoiler alert, people. But basically, she dies. She gets shot again. And he, of course, goes down to the morgue, which, quite frankly, has some of the shittest security. It's not even a fucking locked door. Hire a guard. Uh, Just hire a a security guard. Fuck the guard. Yeah, exactly. Go and borrow Mrs. Whatever Face's padlock. She's not using it anymore. But he goes into the morgue, he pulls out her drawer. And then she suddenly grabs him around the throat and all her skin starts to peel off and there's a robot underneath it. Mm. Now, that's when I'm questioning the science. <laughs> she, grew a, she grew a layer of metal <laughs> under her skin. I fucking don't know. Look, it was one of the worst endings I've seen and you could tell it was just sort of tacked on. And not only that, but it sort of went against the whole point of the film, that like a him coming to terms with her dying and that sort of thing. And then it sort of happens and he loses her again. Mm. And then he runs in and she kills him and turns into a fucking killer robot. Like, it was it was ridiculous. It sort of it, it dulled the point of the movie, I think. Look, I did a bit of research. Did you? this movie. Jesus. <laughs> into, about the science? Or? <laughs> no, no, I was baffled by the science, so I decided to leave that alone. Let me guess. You got bored while you were watching the movie and just started IMDb? No, and you no, stumbled no, across no, something? no. I'd initially found some stuff on IMDb, but I went yep. a bit deeper. Yeah. I went a layer deeper. Yeah. I went to Google. Well, shit, mate. I went to Google Scholar. Google, <laughs> Google Scholar? <laughs> I, I didn't even know that existed. Yeah. Right. There's a really good... If anyone's interested in the making of this movie... Just you. There's a, a really good sort of 12 or 13 page article called Deadly Friend, an autopsy by Joseph... Madre. And he's still celebrating the one hit he's got on his website today. And still celebrating. It's a really good article. It talks about the depth, the way the movie came about. Yeah. The the differences between the book and the, the script. It talks with the author. It mm-hmm. talks with Bruce Joel Rubin. Doesn't talk to Craven much. It it mentions Craven, a couple of interviews from Craven previously about it. Basically the book, Paul was a, a sort of an overweight slobbish, uh, socially awkward outcast, mm. and he had no friends, and the robot was his only friend. Yeah. Right? He befriends the girl next door. They get close. When the robot dies or is destroyed, he then, and she gets, she I believe she gets um, put in intensive care, not dead, in the book. Mm-hmm. He implants the chip. She comes alive again, but she begins to kill people. But he, because she is all he has, he refuses to believe or refuses to tell anyone that. Yeah, she's crazy. And there, you, there, there was you there could see some of, of that. that. Yeah, the script took it slightly, took a lot of that, but basically the script initially, the one that Craven was interested in, and they actually shot. There's a lot of missing footage. Mm. Shot footage was. More of a, of a love story between the girl and him. Yes. And they shot all that, and then they did a test screening with 
um, a, a, an audience that had been sort of hand-picked as Wes Craven fans because remember this yeah. was two years after Elm Street Elm Street and it went and down it went like badly. a lead balloon yeah and so they decided to re- start reshooting and adding gore sequences and nightmare stuff and yeah I think that's pretty much what the studio told him. They they said we need gore. Yep, and they, they, they Craven and, and, and Craven was involved in all of it, and so they tried yeah. to do the best they could with what they were told. Yeah, but the simple fact was it wasn't the actual movie that they wanted. Yeah, and they were shoehorning it in, <clears throat> basically. And there's actually a bit of a petition floating around trying to get um, Warner Brothers to release the director's cut or release the entire cut. Look, I can't see I'm not too many watch people it. running out to see it, but no. it. Would be interesting to see the differences if there yeah, were. Yeah, yeah. So it was obviously there was something more. And again, coming back to Craven as a filmmaker, I think this kind of fits with the type of filmmaker he was. He was looking for interesting projects, whether they be horror or not, to play with. Mm. And he got that here, but then it was taken away from him somewhat. Yeah. So it's hard to blame him for this yeah you can definitely see there's some interference <clears throat> but it I isn't his best would, work either well, what I, I would say is really it. It, regardless you go back and watch it and even if it is a, a decent movie it would have aged savagely with that robot and yeah uh, that hurts badly badly yeah and can I just go on record and say I, I wanted Hills Have Eyes I wanted to re- review that the so original? I'm, I'm laying, yeah. I didn't think I could find it, though. I'm laying deadly friend at your feet. Okay. It's your fault. But think about the... I know you're... I know, look, I know you're a... a I'm a completist. Uh, I wanted to see his whole catalogue. I know you're a man of science, and you really wanted to check this out because of that science angle, and then you you found yourself to be disappointed that it didn't... <laughs> it didn't stack up. Buster. No. <laughs> All right. I think we're covered there. Let's take a break. We'll... Go into the break with the end credits of uh, Deadly Friend. <laughs> oh, please, yes. Just in case you didn't know, the robot's name's BB. BB, yes. Um, and so the end credit just decided to slap you around. Ram it home. <laughs> uh, and then we'll come back and we'll just discuss Wes Craven's legacy as a filmmaker. Wes Craven, obviously, very recently just passed away from brain cancer. I think he was 75. 76. 76. Yep. Very sad day because he was, I feel, one of the better filmmakers in horror, Mm. um, specifically. Uh, I think he was a very good filmmaker in general, but I think there's a lasting legacy from the guy. Freddy Krueger is a a once-in-a-generation villain, Yep. I think, and... That is all him. That's all. not. That's not. Oh, he directed something that was written by someone else. Yeah. Or, or uh, he's a you know a producer involved. Yeah. He created the entire mythology. Everything yeah. that is Freddy. Obviously, Kruger. you know, he had obviously had to have some input from from special effects people. And yeah. Production like designers actually and bring it to life, but it's all from his head. Yes. So, and and I think that's once in a generation villain who it's has a classic, stood the test of time. Well, it's a classic. 
It's a classic villain. It's yeah. a, even though it's a movie, it stacks up with with classic um, yeah, your monsters from mythology stuff, yeah. and things like that. Yeah. So that is a key part of his legacy. Yep. And I think Scream, even though Scream is not his, the script is not his, I think the quality, his direction on top of that script reinvigorates the slasher genre in 1996. Hmm. Well, they Which, changed it. They completely changed it. It was, it was all <laughs> meta and had to be, yeah. you know, self-referential and and be smarter about what you were doing. And so, yeah, definitely, definitely changed it. And I think probably hasn't been surpassed. Like, I think it's probably one of the best slasher movies that's ever been made. Yeah, in terms of slashes, it's sort of yeah, we always talk about it how it was a bit of a bit of a blessing and a curse because it reinvigorated things, but then everything tried to copy it and yeah. There hasn't been a slasher like it since since then. No. And it's the last for me, it's the last great slasher. Yes. No doubt. But probably resides somewhere in the top couple of slasher movies oh, in general. Absolutely. It's still my Scream is still my favourite movie. So he I mean he certainly played a very big part in our in our personal horror. Um Yeah, he's had a big influence on us. In terms of watching horror films, mm. because he has created two of these iconic franchises, yeah, that have stood the test of time and have been uh, very well regarded across everyone, but very, very highly regarded amongst the, the pair yeah. of us. Look, I think looking at his resume, look, you take the good with the bad with any any um, any filmmaker takes the good with the bad, yeah. And Craven has been very lucky in a way. Last House on the Left is a, I guess you'd call it a bit of a grindhouse. Bit of an exploitation. Yeah, not a classic, but it kind of put him on the map and it was one of these sort of sort of raw, sort of kicking in the balls type of movies. Yeah, and if you sort of read into it, um, this again speaks to his legacy. I mean, me and you are probably in a camp where we're not so fond of that movie. There no. are There is circles that, that believe it's a, a classic, but no matter what you think about it, it seems to be the forerunner to something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. So you look at that and then you think, well, there you go, Leatherface, although not a Wes Craven creation, it paved the way for that. Yes, exactly. And, of course, Freddy Krueger then paved the way for all sorts of villains in the 80s and that when... Yeah. So... It allowed horror to be a bit more sort of wide-ranging. It didn't yeah. just have to be a slasher, you know? It and didn't something. have to be just a mindless, voiceless murderer. Yeah. Freddie brought something else to the table. I think yeah. that's a... That, you know, he would ne- he'll never be forgotten because of that. He brought a bit of brains to it. Mm. You know, um, Elm Street is not actually just a, a mindless slasher. It's actually got... It's got some real sort of s- psychology behind it. Yeah. Uh, and this was another great thing about Wes Craven is... Even his bad movies, I just love to hear him talk about them. Yeah. Because not only was he very intelligent. I mean, the guy was a freaking college professor at one point, I believe. Um, but he just spoke about his movies so well. There was yeah. method to everything, absolutely yeah. everything. You hear him talk about Freddy Krueger and the elements that go into making him scary are just – it's just brilliant. Yeah. It is all psychological things like, you know, the, the colour of the sweater – the, the red and the green being the hardest sort of two um, two colours for the for the eye to process yeah. together. Um, so you know that sort of uh, it has you a little bit on um, edge, or yeah, it has you a little bit sort of messed up just 
visually, but then, you know, the glove. Yeah. He talked about it was um, that pretty much everyone has some sort of fear of, of, of animals. Yeah. So the glove is like, like, like claws, an animal's claw. And, like, you, you listen to him talk about it, and it's just fascinating to hear the guy talk. Yeah. And he's a very, very smart man, and I think he, eh, no matter whether his film, whether a film he made was good or bad, there was something behind it. Something yeah. deeper. So he wasn't exactly. just making cookie cutter shit. Well, something like People Under the Stairs, for example, I watched that and I really didn't like it. Mm. But if you look into it, it's it's his commentary on, on some social issues. Yeah. You know, there actually is a point to it. Yeah. And so I respect the man for that. Um, I don't like all of his movies. I'm not going to no, lie to you. No There's question. a few of them I don't like. There's a couple that I would out and out say they're, they're just stinkers. Yeah, yeah. They're just terrible. A couple of them. I think that the most dis- disappointing thing, and, I, and in a way this is why Deadly Friend actually is kind of important in his catalogue, is I think it's the first time he got... It was the it was the initial pigeonholing of the guy, yeah. That he could never get out of. He never was able to shake it out. No, um, never. You look through his resume, and it's all horror. And as much as I think he loved yeah, the horror the genre, <laughs> music of the heart's the only one. Red yeah. Eye is a Bit thriller, of a thriller, but it's pretty close. Yeah. Um, I really think that he probably wanted to go else into other genres. Yeah. You know, I look at someone like Ridley Scott, say right. <clears throat> And I look at Ridley Scott's catalogue and I think that that guy has been allowed to do anything he wants in across all genres. Yeah. He has done a bit of everything. A bloke like Wes Craven was a very good filmmaker too, but he just probably wasn't given the opportunities elsewhere. No. And you're right, Deadly Friend is a prime example of it. Yeah. It, he, it, he wanted to make that, that, more of a sort of teenage... Like you said, it was a love story. Yeah. You know? With, with obviously there was a thriller element. Yeah. And a science fiction element. Yep. But initially, but also, I believe... You know, there's also a hint of sort of Romeo and Juliet kind of... Yeah, and anyway. in that essay that I, I read, um, he, he, he spoke of it in the way, in the mould of Starman, you know, the John Carpenter one, mm. which is not a horror film. It's, a, it's more of a sci-fi love story. Yep. So I think that's what he was going for, and I, f- I feel bad that we didn't get to see other sides of him. I haven't seen Music of the Heart. But no. I think he basically had to leverage. Yeah, well, I think uh, I will make Scream Three. Yes. if you give me, I think that was the, the deal. opportunity to make this. I think that was the exact deal. Yeah, he said yes, he would do Scream Three if he was allowed to do something else. And I think it's sad that he had to resort to that kind of shit. Yeah, just to get a different type of movie. Yep. You know, I think it's very sad because I think he was. A, I, I believe he's. I truly believe he was a very good filmmaker. I don't think it would have mattered what you gave him. Mm. He would have found a way to make it work. You know, it's, it's, I think it's good he got ended up getting to do Music of the Heart. Uh, you know, he got to work with Meryl Streep and all that sort of stuff. So he did at least get to try something else. Yep. Uh, of course, they weren't going to be. It wasn't going to be a box office blockbuster. No. But that's that's what he wanted to do. Yeah. You know? He wanted to go and explore that sort of stuff. I, I just think it's a little bit. I look, I look at his resume here from 2000 to 2011, which is his last movie, mm-hmm. and I, I feel a little bit sad on the back end. Uh, it's, it's probably the, the, the least strong part of his resume. Um, from 2000, you've got Scream 3, followed by Cursed, followed by Red Eye, My Soul to Take, Scream 4. 
Yeah, it's pretty bad. They're not good. Not, not, none of them I would consider good films. Scream 4, some... I mean, some of the reviews to that have actually been quite good, but I'm, I remember me and you both watched it and just thought that was... That was a real disappointment. And again, studio interference comes up in several of those movies. Yeah. Cursed, for instance. Yeah, Cursed um, was a bit of a shambles. Yeah, it was a real shambles. Scream 4 was a shambles. And, and I don't think that's... That, I don't believe that's a reflection of him, though. No. Because everyone on the, in the Deadly Friend article that I read was saying, look, it, he was very patient, really good director... Had a great, ca- yeah. You know, looked after cast and crew. Well, he was just doing what. Look, the I guy was coming the, out of an independent hit, yeah, and then dealing with a studio that was pretty much telling him what to do. I think all the people that worked with him loved him. All the, yeah. the actors that worked with him seemed to really sort of say, you know, he's you want to work for this guy. Yeah, but it's funny that he he was always labelled with the master of horror. Um, and I don't know, maybe it's something about the horror genre. There's still that stigma that it's not. It's not to be taken seriously. Yeah. But like you said, someone like Ridley Scott or, or some people like that, they, they have a massive movie yeah. and they just get handed the reins. Yeah. And he doesn't seem to have ever got that. Yeah, and that's that's sad. That's, that's disappointing because yeah. I think that there's... It's almost like no, they didn't trust him. Yeah. yeah. There was no reason not to trust him. No. Considering everybody who worked for him said he was great to work with. Yeah, yeah. I don't get it. No. Even Nightmare on Elm Street, he didn't quite fully have the reins because because um, New Line Cinema was almost bankrupt. So yeah. they were basically riding him. Yep. Making late changes on the ending and all that sort of stuff. So I think that's very disappointing. And But it's not a measure of him. And I no, think it's I sad that he didn't either. get that opportunity. Yep. He will be missed. Yes. In the genre. Yep. I think it's, it's the end of an era almost. Well, it's one of those moments in your life where um, I don't know it's one of those really sad things when I saw it it happened it was on Facebook actually I updated Facebook and I saw someone had linked that he died and it was a real shock because I'm not sure I think he must have kept it secret they must have kept it quiet that he was actually well obviously he hadn't been working for some time yeah and so it was one of those moments where you look at it and you just think shit that's a a chapter of my life just closed yeah because uh, you and I had uh, extremely fond memories. Basically, the the bloke had a profound effect on our lives. Yeah, because yeah, the yeah. movies that we choose to watch now are still directly influenced by. Well, what he uh, did. You know, I mean, you only got to look at the fact that we covered Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Here, yep. And although we didn't give it a five out of five review, it was still very well. It's still well regarded for me. Yeah, it's an absolute classic. And Scream for me was the hook that got me deep into the horror. Yeah. Horror yeah. Movies and. Um, we're also forgetting Elm Street 3 which Elm Street 3 is a very good movie he, which he was again heavily involved in well, and the whole we're forgetting Elm, Elm Nightmare series, the whole Elm Street series the, the ones that I really love 1 and 3 are both heavy yeah. influence for him 7 I, f- I think is probably the, the next best yeah. New Nightmare yeah. um, is probably the next best and they're all they're all the ones that had his involvement but look at what he did with 7 too he, Freddie was dead and buried yeah and, that and he was, took it in a direction that was totally off. Nobody was doing that shit. That yeah. was ahead of its time. Almost. He actually did get to get in there and have a bit of a say again with that yeah. one. And it was a, it was it was only because the character was dead. They, they, they were, they'd realised they'd flogged Freddy till he couldn't be flogged anymore, yeah. and no one wanted to watch it anymore. 
and that's when he got another crack at it. And he just took it in this really, really interesting direction. Yeah. And and people might say that it didn't 100% fully work, mm. but I think it's a very, very good crack. Yeah. And yeah, he had he did have a profound effect on our lives. I think um, yeah. as, as a as a movie maker, I think it's going to be really, really weird when um, for us specifically when John Carpenter dies as well. Yeah. And we lose this this pair that have had this incredible part of horror yeah. in general. It's one of those sort of sobering moments in your life where, I mean, shit, we didn't know this bloke from a bar, yeah, so yeah. we didn't know anything about him. It's not like a, a family member dying, but it's one of those sobering moments in your life when you think, shit, everything's got to end. Yeah. And regardless of what... Um, you know, Wes Craven is no longer with us and he won't make any more movies, but for the rest of our lives, we'll be watching movies that have been... Uh, that Our taste, the, the movies that we choose, have been defined by the bloke. Yeah. Basically. So, you know, uh, rest in peace, mm. Wes. Very uh, sad. You most certainly will be missed, mate. Before we go into what we're covering next episode, big thanks to everyone who's downloading our episodes. Had a few new people pop up on the radar in the last couple of days or weeks, and uh, we really appreciate you grabbing our episodes and any feedback you want to give us, send us an email at thrillme at iinet.net.au or contact us on our Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia. We'd really like to hear from you. More than happy to discuss whatever you like. Give us a movie that you want us to cover, anything. We did receive some feedback very recently from Alistair in the UK, and he asked us what whether what whether we were considering um, covering the Predator sequels and The Thing and the Alien films. Big yes on all of those. And actually, we've decided for the next episode we will do our first double, double bill, which will be Predator 2 and Predators. Mm. So looking forward to that. And we're going to allow Gibbo to have a bit of a say on Predator. Yes, because, yes. Uh, He's been calling us all sorts of names. He, he was still he, fucking fuming at it. <laughs> he old. wasn't able He's to get Predators. in on um, But yeah, Predator's never never very far from uh, yeah. my mind. Yes, Love true. It. One of my favourite film series, so I'm looking yes, forward to it. I am very much looking forward to it. And it'll be really good to get Gibbo in to hear his thoughts. Once again, thank you very much for listening. Can I just make a correction? Please. I. Uh, oh, it's been brought to my attention that I misnamed the great... Filmmaker Tommy Wiso, I called him Johnny twice. <laughs> what the last episode? Last episode. Let's face it, I love Tommy Wiso, love him, and for what I don't know why I called. You him seem Johnny. to love Johnny more. I like Johnny. I think Johnny's a better filmmaker, um, but I called him Johnny twice. So and I'm apologies. sorry. I'm sorry, Tommy. I love the room. I love that film clip you made last week. Fantastic. Love is blind. <laughs> Okay, well, look, I'm sure Tommy or Johnny or whoever the fuck he is is, is okay with he it. He didn't hear it, but I just had no, to clear my conscience. But that's okay, that's okay. Everyone's happy that it's been cleared up. Yeah, it's been cleared up. Keep listening to the podcast, um, keep watching movies, and we will catch everyone in the future. Cheers. Find the podcast at Podomatic or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. Like us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia or contact us at Thrill Me, all one word, all lowercase, at iinet.net.au.